Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church this morning. We are excited and glad to see all of you here this morning. We are very excited that you are here this morning, that you have chosen to worship with us at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, and we would invite you to prepare your hearts for worship this morning. I would like to add just a little bit of a commercial for the picture-taking situation. Uh, if you're not from Bowling Springs, like Matt and myself, or if you're new to the area or whatever, the, the, out, the picture album from the church is such a valuable tool. We use it for addresses. Children change and they grow up. Uh, please get your picture taken so that we can have a better understanding of who our church family is and get to know each other better. And stand now as we sing number 413, Faith is the Victory. children to come forward for a lesson on the steps this morning. All right, James, you're going to be my helper. All right, sit right there. Ooh, I think the fair has taken over today. What do you think? All right, what have I got? Well, lemon. And what's a lemon taste like? Sour. And I got some water here. Okay. This is you. Okay, and this is sort of things that don't go right every day. That sort of sour makes your day go bad. 
if you get up in the morning and you can't find matching shoes or can't find that outfit you want to wear, does it make your day go bad? Sour it? Sort of trust God sometimes, don't we, to make the day go right? Have you ever thought about the word faith? What's faith mean? Can you tell me what faith means? No. Huh? Being brave. That's right. Having trust. And who do we trust? God. We trust God. So, we got sour here. And I don't know that any of you really want to taste it. You want to taste my lemon? You want to taste it? All right, James. Now, do you know what a lemon tastes like? Sunny D. Sunny D. Mm. <laughs> Sunny D has something in this that this lemon. All right, you want to just try it? Lick it. What do you think, James? It's good. It's good. Very good. Thank you. All right, I'm going to lay that right there. All right, if we took our lemon and we squirted it in our water. That's like sometimes things that don't go right. But we have a lot of faith, don't we? We've learned that if we pray to God, we trust God, and we listen, that he helps us with the bad things, doesn't he? So one of the ways he takes care of us is helping us learn that we need to trust him and have faith. So we're going to add a little sugar to our water. Can you have some sugar? You most certainly can have some sugar. I'm going to fix it up real good before I send him back there to you. All right, here we go. Okay, now taste that sugar. What's that taste like, James? Mmm, is that good? Well, you know what? When we put this sugar down in this water that we would have squeezed our lemon in, it makes everything better, doesn't it? Because we've learned that with the sour and the bad, that we have good. Because we trust God. We have our faith that he has given us to believe that things can go better but we have to learn to pray, to wait, and to listen. And I know we've learned that, haven't we? So I don't want a lot of this in your water next week, but just remember if you do, talk to God and he's gonna put some sugar with it and make it not be so bad. Okay, now, I do have a treat, sweet tarts. And I did try one of these last night. They are as sour as they can be on the outside, just like the lemon and the bad things that happen. But on the inside, it's sweet. Just like the love of God when he comes in you and takes hold of you. So here is you some sweet tarts. And remember, well, they look like gum. I know better than that. I'll give you some candy though, okay? 
Will that work? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, on this gorgeous day that you have given us, we are more than thankful for our children. But Lord, more than that, we are thankful that you can take the sour and the bad, add your faith, your hug, your love, and make things be better. We just have to learn to wait and listen and trust. Take care of these children, keep their family, keep our church safe. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't we all need a little bit of sugar in our lives? Be reading today from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, as did my fathers when I remember you constantly in my prayers. As I remember your tears, I long, as I remember your tears, I long night and day to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. Hence I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is, is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. Do not be ashamed then of testifying to our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel in the power of God who saved us and caused, uh, called us with a holy calling, not in virtue of our works, but in virtue of his own purpose and the grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus ages ago and now has manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a preacher an apostle and teacher, and therefore I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words which you have heard from me, in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard the truth that has been entrusted to you by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. The next song comes straight from the scripture that was just read, and I hope as you stand and turn to page 337 that you will be able to say, in whom you have believed. Please stand. Stay. 
if your week's been a little bit like mine, you've been dealing with car troubles and, and dealing with all kinds of other things, um, let's take just a moment before I pray this morning, and I want to give you a moment to just clear your head this morning. We're here. You've gotten dressed, uh, you've driven here or walked here, some of you maybe, if you came from across the street. Um, but uh, we're glad that you're here, and uh, we want to center our thoughts and be open to what the Lord would have for us this morning. Uh, before I pray, or before we give us the time to, to do that, let's be mindful of what happened in Townville Elementary this last week. That is not too far from us, and uh, let's be in prayer also for the family now of six-year-old Jacob Hall, uh, who lost his life this week in that incident and so let's be mindful of them you have other concerns this morning let's take just a moment to pause and um, psalm 46 10 i believe it is say be still and know that i am god and uh, cease striving is another way to interpret that and so let's let's just set aside the cares of the world this morning or how about let's do this let's take those cares to the lord this morning you have something on your heart or mind today that uh, maybe we don't want to voice in front of everyone but let's take a moment and pray and then i will lead us in a prayer together this morning Let's pray. God, we're grateful for your presence in our lives. We're grateful for your presence in the midst of um, cars that don't work or uh, schedules that change or uh, surprises that come along in the course of our week. We're grateful that you're with us on the mountaintops and you're with us in the valley. Father, we claim the promises that are within your word today that you will never leave us nor forsake us. God, we all come into this place this morning with different things on our hearts, different things trying to distract us from our attention on you. So, Lord, we lay those at your feet today. Father, help us to do the risky and the bold thing and to give those things that concern us and bother us this morning over to you. Because, Father, it is risky and bold because when we do that, we don't know what's going to happen. Lord, you may take us in a new direction uh, and surprise us altogether. Father, we want to be about your work. We want to be about your business. Father, we want to see your kingdom grow. We want to see it grow within our own lives. We want to see it grow within the lives of our family, within our community, within our coworkers, the place of our employment. Father, teach us more about what it means to be your disciple. Teach us more about what it means to love you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. We're grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, his life, his death on the cross, his resurrection, the hope, the forgiveness, the reconciliation that took place between you and us on that day. He is the reason we are here today. Father, increase our faith where it's weak. Strengthen us, Father, where we feel we have no strength. Father, we pray for the family this week of Jacob Hall in Townville elementary in uh, near Anderson, South Carolina. We pray you would comfort this family. We pray you would comfort students and classmates and teachers and community service people who were involved that day. Lord, this is uh, devastating for a community to go through. And Father, we pray for your presence, your peace, and uh, just the presence of that good shepherd would walk with this community and others who are struggling with this right now, God. We lift up those who are sick and in the nursing homes or assisted livings this morning, Father. We pray you would touch them and encourage them and Touch their bodies, and Lord, help them to know through your people, your church, that they are thought of and loved. Lord, bless all those who are dealing with um, family situations today. Lord, those that are struggling with decisions, we pray that they would look to you for direction today. We pray, Lord, as we look to your word, that you would challenge us, and that, Father, you would help us to live the life that we can look back on years from now, 
and have no regrets. If we come to this place today with regrets, Father, help us to start anew and start fresh today. You tell us in your word that, um, that we are new creations and that you are making all things new. So, Father, continue to make us new. Lead us in closer fellowship with you. And when we leave here today, may we all say it's good to have been in your house. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a difference in height here. <laughs> Next hymn, In Christ Alone, you'll find in your bulletin. Please stand and use your bulletin or the monitors that are the screens. Please stand. In Christ Alone. <laughs>
for a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you humbled, Lord. And we know, Father, that the only reason we can stand here is just in you alone, Father, in your Son's love. You have given so much to us, Father. May we give back out of gratitude and gratefulness and thankfulness, Father. We ask these things in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Choir, thank you. What a great anthem this morning. I am excited about the sermon this morning, and I hope that excitement continues with each of us as we continue. I'm excited. I don't know what will come out uh, for the sermon, but uh, I'm nevertheless excited about it. But um, the title is Living a Sincere Faith with No Regrets. Living out a sincere faith with no regrets. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock, my strength, and my redeemer. Amen. There are some in the room with me this morning that understand, unfortunately, what it is to walk with someone through the final days of life, final weeks of life. Unfortunately, um, that is experience that has many of us, um, that we have experienced in the room. Um, and we know what happens many times in those situations. The one who is sick, the one who is passing from this life to the next, uh, if they are able, will impart to us wisdom, will impart to us um, knowledge, some things that they've had to learn the hard way, and they want to spare us from having to go through that. They may impart to us some advice, some counsel, a charge, a challenge, if you will, about the hopes and the dreams that they have for us. And in turn, we simply offer our love, we offer our care, we offer our presence, we do everything we can to help them to be comfortable, to know that they are loved by us, by their family, their community, and by their God. But in the midst of these times, we can learn a lot, again, from these conversations. We see it in Scripture where the one departing gave advice and counsel to those left behind. We see it in Genesis 49 with Jacob blessing and giving instruction to the 12 sons of Israel, his, his 12 sons, which would later be the 12 tribes of Israel. We see it to David in 1 Kings chapter 2, speaking to his beloved Solomon to be strong and to show yourself a man, walk in God's ways and follow him all of your days. And in 2 Timothy, Paul presents Timothy with a farewell letter. He's addressed one letter. Here he is now with the second letter. And Paul comes across to us as one modeling how to die well. In chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, or excuse me, chapter 4, yeah, verses, uh, excuse me, 6 through 8, Paul says this to a young Timothy, and I believe to us today as well. He says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race or the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He writes instilling confidence in a young Timothy about how to live well, focused on God's priorities. I love verse 7. If you've never committed this to memory, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, different translations have it different ways. Um, the way I remember it is God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. But in the New American Standard Bible, which I'm reading from, he says God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline. There are things that many of you have done, have done and I know that I have done as well in life, that when we think about it, and if we think about it too long, we find ourselves not doing something because we are fearful of it and we don't want to do it. To many of you, some, some of you, it's public speaking. It's just, and I would put my dad in that category. He is, 
I remember one time him working on a, uh, he, he and I were working, he more, more so than I, was working on a car engine as I was thinking about car troubles earlier. And he used to do this all the time. He would take an engine apart and put it back together. And I have no idea how he would do that. And I said, Dad, I would rather speak in front of 10,000 people than do what you're doing right now. And he said, not me, never. Uh, he, he hated speaking or public speaking. But sometimes we're, we're overcome by this sense of fear. And uh, that verse is a tremendous verse because today in the age and world in which we live in, fear has, has set up camp in too many homes and in too many lives. And so let us be reminded of Paul's instruction, counsel, and advice to young Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear, of timidity, but a power of love and of self-control or self-discipline. Today we find encouragement and challenge in Paul's instruction to a young Timothy. I read, I don't always read the message paraphrased by Eugene Peterson, but I read it this week and it just stuck with me. Uh, Verses 11 and 12 out of, um, uh, again, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase called The Message. And he, the way he words verses 11 and 12, he says this, this is the message that I've been set apart to proclaim as preacher, emissary, and teacher, this message being the gospel of Jesus Christ that he referred to earlier. Then he says, it's also the cause of all this trouble that I'm in, meaning this message that I'm preaching is the cause of all this trouble that I'm in. But I have no regrets. Your scripture says I am not ashamed. I couldn't be more sure of the ground, Couldn't couldn't be more sure of my ground. The one I've trusted in can take care of what he's trusted me to do right to the end. Paul had no regrets. Paul had been shipwrecked. He had been beaten. He had been mistreated time and time again. But yet Paul is saying because the, for the cause of Christ and where I found myself at today, I have no regrets. Did you hear that? That he had no regrets, no regret living. Wouldn't that be a great place to be, a great, a great way to live? Paul lived his life with such great confidence, not in himself, but in Christ. He spoke words of great confidence to young Timothy here in 2 Timothy. I have an image in my mind this morning. Max Licato years ago wrote a book called Fearless. And on the front of that book, there's a little boy that's jumping off of a lake of, of a pier. And he is spread eagle. He is his legs and his arms. He's just jumped off that pier. And he's like this right here in the air, getting ready to hit the water. I don't know how he's going to hit it. Um, but I think when I think of fearless living and no regret living, I think of that little boy, and I think of Max Licato, and I think of a quote that he has in that book. And he says, I want to be found facing the end without fright or flight. I'm not trying to run from it. I'm not trying to avoid it. I guess we all are in the sense of just trying to live healthy, you know, but when that time comes and we know the end is near, I want to be like Max Licato. And I think the words of, of, of Paul, we hear it here to Timothy as well, of facing the end without fright or flight. It's coming, and I'm facing it head on. And I may have some things that I wish could have been a little bit differently, and I've talked to God about those things. I've asked him to forgive me, and I'm offering counsel and instruction and words of encouragement and advice and, uh, to my family, and it's coming, and I'm here, and I'm ready for it. Paul's time was nearing an end, and he knew this. And what great confidence, again, Paul had to speak to young Timothy regarding his ministry, to speak in such a way as to say, I'm not ashamed and I have no regrets in living for and following Christ. 
This morning, I was reading over the news on my phone, and I came across an article of a 91-year-old lady. I can't remember her name. I believe it was uh, in Michigan, who, um, who dumped chemo treatments for a road trip. Her husband, they had been married for 67 years. I'm writing this. I had it in small print here is why I'm trying to look at my notes. Yeah, a lady from Michigan, they had been married for 67 years. Um, she had gotten the news that she had ovarian cancer. She was able to travel the world with her son and his wife for a year, stopping at major, went to every state and went to all these different monuments and all these different things. And then when the end was finally, in those final days, of course, she just most recently passed away, but it was on CBS News this morning. And I'm thinking, you know, what a great way to go. She'd had a long life and she says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing the treatment, but, um, but we're going to go, we're going to go see the world facing death without fright or flight. I came across another book. Um, this was probably years ago, but recently this, this week picked it back up and it was a book called one month to live by Carrie and Chris shook. And the whole premise of the book is if you had 30 days to a no regret life, what would that look like? 30 days. If we heard this, the news that we had 30 days left to live, how would we spend it? And I'm not going to go through the book as a whole this morning, but uh, it shouldn't take us going to the doctor and being misdiagnosed for us to live life differently or being diagnosed with something that may be life-threatening. I heard that this was the story as far as a misdiagnosis behind the song, the country song that you've heard of, Live Like You Were Dying by Tim McGraw. Many of you, most all of you have heard the song. It's a great song. It always challenges me to stop and think about how I'm living my life right now uh, when I do hear it. But it all happened. Uh, I was reading the story of that song this week because uh, a, a loved one was misdiagnosed and they started thinking about their life and they started thinking about what they hadn't accomplished, what they had accomplished, and just this idea of, of a no regret life. And so this song, Live Like You Were Dying, was born from that. We all, we all have heard of people receiving life-altering news, and when that happens, it's a game-changer. Um, it's happened in my family, and I'm sure it's happened in many of yours as well. There's no way you can come out of this the same. One minute you're healthy, and the next you think that you may be coming to the end, only to later hear that you're okay when it comes to being misdiagnosed. Some of you in the room may have had that experience, and my, my uh, guess would be is that that was a holy experience for you. You are no longer the same as a result of having been diagnosed with that. Then you've went in or maybe you've went through treatments and now you are cancer-free or disease-free from whatever that may have been. And you look at life differently and you can't help but go through something like that and be changed. I don't see how we could, how we could have any other result. If we were told we only had 30 days left to live, we would forgive and ask forgiveness. We would take risks. We would suddenly gain a sense of clarity about our priorities. We would think more about our relationship with God. And we would be thinking more about how we could leave a legacy. I'm going to read quickly this morning, uh, but hopefully not too quickly to where you can take or can't take it in. But many of you uh, recognize a poem called The Dash that's been read by millions of people around the world. It's often read at funerals. But it has the premise of that time of that birth year and death year, and the only time that represents the life that we've lived in the, is that dash that's in the middle. And it's by Linda Ellis, and it reads like this. I read of a man who stood to speak 
at the funeral of a friend, he referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what, little, that, what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more, love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they would say about how you spent your dash? We're going to show a short video this morning of some older adults who are looking back over their life and some things that they wish they would have done differently. If I had to do it all over again. If I had to do it all over again. If I had to do it over again. If I had to do it all over again. If I had to do it all over again. If I had to do all over again. I'd spend more time playing with my kids and less time cleaning the house. I'd read minutes and watch much less television. And I wish I had spent less time with my children in organized activities like sports and other things and spent more time one-on-one -on -one with them where I could learn who they were and hug them as often as I wanted to and taught them my own personal values. I would read to my children more. I would have liked to discover the Bible sooner. I was 50 before I was in my first Bible study and I didn't realize the good news and the good uh, instructions that were in there. If I had to do it all over again, I would do a better job of letting God take charge of my life. I'm a person who likes to be in control and to get things just right. Yet I have found that God is the one in charge, not me, and things have been better when I let him be in control. I was a churchgoer and doer my whole life, but it wasn't until my children were teens that I really came to know God. I would be intentional about introducing my children to him. I guess I thought they were going to get it by osmosis, but they don't. First, I'd like to have a better education, been more well-read so that I understood more and could accomplish more. I'd also like to have kept myself physically fit so that I could continue to do things in my older years that I should have done in my youth. I would have spent less energy at work so I had more energy when I went home to my family. I was a workaholic for many years of my working life and I carried a pager and was always thinking about work when I was home. I would have liked to have been more patient at home and spent more time just dealing with the family and building those relationships. If I had to do it all over again, I'd treat my wife with much greater respect in the early years of our marriage. I would love her more, I would listen to her more, and I would help her more. I was starting my own business, and I left the home up to her. And boy, I'd like another shot at that.
challenging video, we, we begin to think of things we'd like to do differently. The word of hope, if we focus too, too much on that today, we can leave kind of down and think about the past. But I want you to be reminded this morning, along with me, we can all look back and think of things we'd like to do differently. But today can be the start of a new beginning. Some of you have heard me reference a disease that um, Tony Evans was the preacher that I heard mention it years ago. He called it the same old disease. And you've heard me talk about that. You wake up in the same old bed with the same old spouse. You get up and eat the same old food in the same old kitchen and you get ready, put the same old clothes on, you get in the same old car and go down the same old road to the same old job, to the same old boss, to the same old coworkers, to eat the same old lunch. And then I could go on throughout the afternoon and evening. Um, but I proposed to you this morning that as we, for the life of a Christian, there is a sense of same old that just happens with some of us. But in the spirit of that is something that should never take root in us in the sense of every day is just a repeat of the day before. Uh, if that's the case, we most likely will have some things that we look back on and we wish were differently, that we wish we would have done differently or taken some risk and done some things outside of the box. But there's another disease that... Um, I, that I came across this week called someday, the someday living syndrome, the someday living syndrome. And it goes a little bit like this. I'll spend more time, someday I'll spend more time with my kids. Someday I'm going to, uh, going to, to go for all that life has to offer. Someday I'll start loving my family better. Someday I'll spend more time doing the things that will make a difference in others' lives. Someday I'll get closer to God. Someday I'll go on that trip. In my case, I'm hoping that someday I'll get to jump out of that plane. You guys have heard me talk about that before. Someday I'd like to go whitewater rafting in the Colorado River. I'm putting in things for Keith now. Um, Someday I'd like to uh, go hiking and camping in the Grand Canyon. Someday I'll develop the courage of David and fight that giant in my life. All of us here, I think, are guilty of that someday living syndrome. You could fit in what that would look like for you. And my challenge to you, I'm not done yet this morning, but my challenge to you this morning is to think of one thing that you would put in that someday category and begin making plans this week about how to do things differently. So you won't have to say, like some of these were saying in the video, I regret, I wish I would have done this. But start thinking about that someday that would be your first someday. Someday I'd like to take that trip. Well, go ahead and start planning that trip. Think about how that trip can happen. If you need to pull in other people to help you make that trip happen, then let's start talking about it. Let's start praying about it and making some plans. Our time on earth is short. It's limited. And let's make the most of it. What are the things that you would change if you had 30 days left to live? Let me also ask you this morning, do you have the spirit of Christ living within you? If so, what are the, some things that you and I can do to create an environment to, that we can draw closer to him? And naturally, we'll have a strong desire to be about God's work. And we'll see that begin to take place, not only in our life, but in the lives of others. We'll experience a fullness in life that we would not otherwise experience. When we're making much of Christ, we're living for Christ, our lives are filled with meaning, with purpose. And it's not just about us but we are more concerned about others than ever before. There's no way that we can draw closer to God and care less about other people. It simply just cannot happen. Some of you this morning, though, could have the idea that, Keith, it's a little too late for me to do some of the things or change some of the things that I wish could be different. Richard Bach 
had the quote this week. He says, here is the test to find out whether your mission on earth is finished. If you're alive, it isn't. (laughs) I love it. Here is the test to find out whether your mission on earth is finished. If you're alive, it isn't. Carl Bard has the quote where he says, though no, no one can go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start now and make a brand new ending. Some words of thought, as I, or words to think about as I was um, uh, trying to conclude. I told you I didn't know what would come out this morning for the sermon, but some thoughts that I had just jotted down this week that go along with this no regret living are the following. Quit comparing yourself to others and be the best you that you can be. Be the best you that God has created you to be. Stop trying to be like somebody else. We don't want to get to the end. I don't want to get to the end and say, you know, I wish I'd have been more like this preacher or that preacher. God wants me to be Keith. Some of the greatest advice that I was given, and I won't mention names, but that person is here today, that I was given when I came to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Somebody looked at me very seriously in the hall that I got to know and respected and said, Keith, just be Keith. As we think about being at a Garden Web community around a lot of educators or other um, hats that a minister may try to wear here, I was grateful to get that advice. And it's advice that I in turn pass on to the church family as well in the sense of be the best Roger or Cheryl or Doug or Ed or Bob Lamb, that you, Dr. Cullinan, that you can be. Uh, let's, let's stop trying to compare and to be other people, but let's be who God has created us to be. Let's love God and let's love other people. I think if we do that, we're not going to face the end wishing that we would have, but we would have said, you know what? I loved God. I was imperfect. I made mistakes, but I sought I, my, my, my passion, my pursuit in life was to love God and to love other people. The next thing I wrote down was ask God for passion. Nothing great ever happens without it. If we want to make a difference in our world, if we want to be the kind of husband and the father that we want to be, and we don't have that sense of passion about owning the place that God has put us in life, ask God to give you that sense of passion. Nothing great ever happens without passion. Let's also live a life of integrity. Integrity is the uniting of what we believe with the way that we live. And that has power. We were talking in our men's study this morning about, you know, people who, you know, I've heard it as a pastor. Let's say, well, I read the Bible every day. And what they mean was I do what I want every day, but I read the Bible every day. But that integrity meets the Bible reading and the the life that we want to walk with the kind of life that we want to live with those two things meeting. It's not I go to church every Sunday, but insinuating I do what I want during the week. But as long as I go to church on Sunday, everything's okay. But integrity is that meeting of, of right living, the good character, um, with, with the sense of, of how we live that out in the community. Carrying around unforgiveness can kill the no-regret life. You may need to ask others to forgive you, or you may just need to forgive others for their mistakes. But walking around with that sense of, of unforgiveness can kill a no-regret life. I close today by just asking you this morning, not only to think of the one someday that you can be working on, this week. But also, what would your life, how would things be different for you if you found out that you had 30 days left to live? What difference would that make in your life? What difference would it make in your marriage and with your family and with your community and with your church? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for Timothy's, I thank you for Timothy's spirit of uh, receiving Paul's message. I thank you for Paul 
uh, and, and these words of instruction, these words of challenge to Timothy, to not be ashamed and to live life with no fear so that we can face the end with no regrets. Father, help us to be honest as we think about our lives this morning. And Father, help us to, to fess up if we need to in ways that we've missed the mark and things that we've said, things that we've done. But Father, help us as we fess up, as we ask forgiveness. Lord, help us to also be mindful that you forgive us of our sins and that you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that, Father, as far as the future looks, today can be that new beginning where the ending can change. There may be some things in the past that we don't like, but today we can change what the end might look like. Father, you know each person in this place very intimately. And, Father, you know what's there, what's not there, and you know what needs to change. And, Father, you know areas that you would affirm in our lives where we're hitting the, where we're hitting the mark. But, Lord, we confess that there are many areas in our lives where we don't hit the mark, where we don't uh, reach our full potential. And Lord, we all want to face the end without fright or flight. We all want to face the end with, with no regrets. And so, Father, speak to us this morning as we stand and as we sing and as we leave this place today. Father, help us to be mindful of what may need to change, what may need to look differently in our lives so that we can live for you and that we can be unashamed and that we can have the confidence of what it means to follow Christ Paul had it. He saw it in Timothy, and he was giving some instructions. So, Father, help us to heed these instructions for our lives this morning as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you to come today, and I would love to pray with you and talk with you more about how you can do that. If there's burdens or concerns on your heart, if something about this no regret living has spoken to your heart this morning, the altar is open. You can pray where you are. You can come down front and pray. If you want to talk with me about church membership, you're welcome and encouraged to come as well. Let's stand and sing together. The hymn of dedication and testimony is I'll Tell the World That I'm a Christian.
There we go. For all the Garden Web students that are here today, even if you're not a member of the band, we invite you to come and join us. We have a lot of food uh, in our fellowship hall, and we would love for people that enjoy eating to enjoy eating here with us. Um, but if you are here, a Garden Web student, or any relationship to uh, college life or student life, uh, we'd love for you to uh, stay and join us for that lunch today. Um, let's close in a word of prayer. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and bless you with his peace. Amen.